0: Well, thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I am your host, Barbara Saban, and I am here to help you reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. I am a certified clinical and medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, and best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. love, happiness, and anything else that your heart desires. Because one day, the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. And speaking about shining, I'm going to bring on my shining guest today. How are you, (laughs) Oh, I'm good, Barbara. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm all excited about this interview, believe me. (laughs) Um, So let me tell my listeners a little bit about you. Romney Bueller, she is a holistic animal health coach and communicator, animal energy worker and training facilitator. Romney is passionate about animal welfare and is driven to change the perceptions around how we communicate with them so that they can be more consciously looked after. And most people that have animals in their care, while very connected to them, are only seeing part of their health and well-being picture. And mostly through what they observe, what they think, and the things they already know. But when you communicate from a higher perspective and you have a conversation with them, you are able to see the whole picture. That means that you are able to support them in a way that they need, not in a way that we think that they need. As you see the truth behind behaviors, psychological and physical problems. And Romney works globally and she lives in Australia, as as I mentioned before, as an animal communicator, uh, missing animals investigator, medical intuitive and animal energy healer. Oh my, welcome. I'm so happy you're here.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. That not that a mouthful? It's like, what do you do? Just one, Just do one thing. <laughs> uh, it's great to be here, Barbara. Oh, so uh, and how did all this get started for you? Well, I've always been intuitive and I just didn't really know how that looked. Things were happening around me and, you know, some of the senses, the the smell and the taste I've always been hypersensitive with and just that strong sense of knowing and feeling were um, we're always very heightened but the clairvoyance the seeing and the hearing was also I just didn't know that that that's what it was so I um, my husband got secondary cancer uh, diagnosis maybe about 12 years ago now and um, and I thought while he had left work and he was just Um, mucking around doing not much doing cancer things that's not much I take that back (laughs) Um, we had a dog with anxiety and I thought he could go and learn animal communication because as Facebook does it just drops things in your feed and I saw something about animal communication and I thought that sounds really interesting now I was brought up on a farm a wheat and sheep property so I've been around animals forever and I just love them more than anything so what i was really doing was giving him all of this information buying him dvds and books and google links when really that was for me (laughs) so he was like oh yeah you just read it and then just let me know what to do and i'm devouring it going oh my god this is fascinating um but it was all for me so i went off and i found an animal communicator in australia and you know, just asked her, what is this? What do I do? And I had a mentoring session with her and it made so much more sense. And so I just, that moment, she said, get yourself a Facebook page and start work. And I did. So I haven't looked back. So what did you do before this? Uh, Well, I was mostly working in sort of male dominated industries of you know, construction and engineering and mining and that type of thing in um, sort of operations roles. And so, I don't know, I was always, it wasn't really ever about the job. It was always about what's wrong with that guy there or his staff member. And I would have this revolving door of just being um, the ears and the listener for all of these men that had issues and things going on. So I was working more with people and On that front, and I was very interested in energy medicine, and I was teaching yoga at the time and uh, meditation and things like that. So I was very angled towards the people, but men in particular, I had um, quite a soft spot for. So, yeah, that's what I was doing before, and it's quite different, but it's sort of similar in a way. Yeah, Yeah, that
0: that it is.
1: Yeah, because it's all energy work and it's all
0: feeling, and that that those that. that knowing that, you know,
1: without knowing how, you know, type of feeling. Yeah, that's right. And I know Mm -hmm. before every day I would go to work or I would go and teach a class and I would just ask my guides, if there is anyone that needs something from me today or the whole room or whatever it is, um, please help me do whatever it is that I need to do to help that person. So I was sort of already in touch with that side of, you know, the work. And then I got stuck in, am I working with people or animals? And I I got stuck there not really knowing, you know, where I was going. And I thought, all right, I need to make a decision, animals or people. Because animals, there's always people. People, you know, are guardians of animals. So I chose animals because that really is my passion. And they need more voices. So that was a bit of a no-brainer.
0: Oh, I We've always had, um, we've always uh, rescued dogs. Right. And we, we've had uh, Buddy who passed away. He was 12. And then uh, Sammy who passed away when he was 11 and a half. He's a Roddy. And I'll tell you a story about Sammy in a moment. And then Rudy who passed away, he was 16. Uh, the little girl, uh, she passed away when she was 15 and a half. And then my Alex just passed away a few months ago and he was 19 and a half. Wow, And, you know, I would always do energy work on them. And with Sammy, uh, he was a Roddy and we had just moved from uh, New York City to Florida to help my father because my dad had a heart attack and he was taking care of my mother who's had Parkinson's. Uh, and when I was touching Sammy, he kept on telling me he needs to leave this world. And I said to him, what are you talking about? What do you mean you need to leave this world? Because you're going to move and where you're moving to, you can't take me. Right. And I had no clue that 11 months from that moment, we were moving here to California and Sammy passed away. It was like two months later. I mean, we were completely devastated because I thought it was my mind playing tricks with me, but he actually communicated with me. And, yes. and he said to me, don't, don't be sad. This is my time to go, but you need to go. And I didn't know where I was, we were going to, um, and that we couldn't take him. And it was as beautiful as it was that he was speaking to me. That's how devastated I was. Yes. And then when he passed on, it was even more devastating, but it's amazing if we just touch them and we could feel them, what their needs are. And I I would imagine that's what you do
1: with all of them. Yes. Yes. You know, they, um, I don't do a lot of energy healing, although everything is healing. I'm always sending healing to an animal when I'm communicating Mm -hmm. and all my work is remote. So, you know, probably 1% of my animal communication is face to face. Um, And I've never been set up to have a space to do live Animal healing. Uh, So I don't. I don't do a whole lot of that, but it is profound. The energy work with an animal. You know, they they ask for. Can you please, um, you know, impress the energy of a sunflower into my energy field? Or a. You know, I had a dog that had a torn cruciate from running in soft sand, which is a something that dogs shouldn't do—is run in soft sand and chase things and, you know, change direction and that sort of thing. But he, little dog had torn a cruciate. And so, what he was asking for was the cocoon to be wrapped around his cruciate ligaments. And then, wrapped around that, was the spider's web. So, we had to sort of infuse the energy of these two things to help support and brace that damaged joint. So, you know, I, it's just so fascinating and so healing as you know. Oh, without a doubt, uh, because they do
0: speak to us and and all we need to do is listen and pay attention. I feel that's right. Yes. hundred percent. So let me ask you, do, do you feel that animals have, um, like emotional and mental health issues just
1: like we do? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Uh, they really do. You know, animals are much better, probably, at processing some of these emotions than us. If they are given the opportunity to, um, they take a lot of our stuff on. You know, you've all, you would have heard the anxious dog, anxious mum, or anxious cat, anxious dad. You know, whatever uh, the the combination is, but they take a lot of our emotion on and our illnesses and things too but there's a lot of animals with depression there's a lot of animals with grief even though their grief may be short-lived um you know there's angry animals and things like that so yes yeah and that's a real problem i think we don't that's one thing that i that i've found that humans is like oh really no but they sort of see it they can see their dog is you know they're wallowing and they're sad and then they're not eating much and they're not moving much so you can get some signals from observing their behavior but then why where does it come from where
0: is it coming from Mm. do do you think that the animals are picking it up from their humans
1: you know some of it yeah some of it and you know there's i had a cat many years ago who um i didn't know this lady and i didn't actually know who i was reading i normally um you know, when people book, they send me an image of their animal. So I know who I'm reading their name and that sort of thing. And, and I start tuning in beforehand, but this lady was a cold call and, and she was beside herself for some reason. And um, anyway, this cat um, was really, really depressed. Cat also had stomach cancer, had some digestive issues, but cat was very, very depressed. But what had, what turned out, to have happened was her brother had committed suicide and the cat was very connected to her brother and had been trying to take some of his sadness away and was then, you know, then he passed and it was only a week or two beforehand and then the sadness was I couldn't help him. So it sort of became I'm trying to take it from him then I couldn't help him. So, yeah, it's... um, that's where energy healing really come into play that you can, that you can, a, you can communicate with them, you know, that it's okay, that it wasn't their job, that it they didn't need job. to do that. Mm-hmm. And then clear some of that energy out to bring them back into balance. Do, do, you, do you see that with a lot
0: of animals that they get depressed because of, uh, you know, us or stressed because of us or anxious yes Uh you know
1: I think um, I think there's a there's a lot of obviously the rescue animals um, struggle with sadness and things like that Uh, but as I said you know they can process it if they're given the opportunity to they can process it quite quickly so there's so many things we can do for anxieties and and depression and And these things but we just need to know what is available and and what we can do and what we can do ourselves as well because there's a lot of things we don't need to go to a holistic therapist or a vet or or whoever for and we you know we we like to treat because we don't know we don't know what we don't know we like to treat things like depression and and for animals and people with medication and that is not the answer so
0: yeah it's funny. Sometimes I I used to look at my, my little fur babies and I would say, boy, I wish you could speak to me, like speak to me, (laughs) but they did, you know, in their own way, communication way, but you know, it would have been like amazing if they could say something where we can actually hear. Yes. um,
1: Yeah. And that's where it gets hard, isn't it? Because it's, you know, it's telepathy. So Mm-hmm. Receiving the information back is through images and thoughts and feelings and words and whatnot, and and then you've got to interpret that as information based on what you know, what you know, and um, you know it's not it's not like having this conversation. So it would be so much easier for everybody involved. Maybe yeah, one so day that will happen. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Why wouldn't that be amazing?
0: How yeah. do they communicate with you? You know when yeah. Yeah. Like, what do you do to
1: have them speak to you? I, uh, I have all of the senses fairly highly tuned and okay. for missing animals and things like that, or dietary problems, I often work with taste and smell. Um, so I kind of pick and choose the sense that I want to use. So I have the vision, I have the hearing, I have the knowing, I have the feeling. And so when I first connect in with an animal, I like to get, uh, well, ask permission if it's okay to speak with them, because some of them are like, who are you? What are are you doing here? (laughs) Why are you in my space? And, Uh um, you know, mum wants to talk to you. It's okay. Oh, okay. Um, So I just, I ask for permission. And then I like to get a general impression. And I like to get a sense of their essence, their personality. What kind of animal are they? What's their what's their kind of mo and um you know that can be anywhere from like a human from hyperactive and fun and funny those ones interestingly usually end up with people that struggle with depression um, to try and lighten them up i see that so much and then there's the ones that are very reserved and quiet and then there's the grumpy ones that just don't want to be disturbed and and so you know i get their personality and then we sort of get into i feel that most of the time i will see an image of them being grumpy and but then i'll just know it i know they're grumpy and i'll feel they're grumpy and they might even say something and it's got a tone about it that's really snooty and say oh ginger's got an issue today <laughs> Uh, So I do Uh that, and then if we're looking at digestion or if if I'm trying to find a missing animal, I'll become them, I'll shift into their body and then I'll feel under their feet, I'll smell through their nose and I'll taste in their mouth and I'll feel inside their body what that food is feeling like once it hits the stomach or the small intestine and whatnot. Wow, so what is like, I guess the most common problem that you see
0: when you communicate with them?
1: Someone asked me that the other day, and it's a it's a tricky question to answer because it's different by species. So, horses, I think the most common problem that I'm asked about is well, emotional health because horses have real issues as well, especially when they're split up. They they like to be around other horses, but when they're not around other horses, they they get lonely. But a lot of the horse um, communication I do is around competition and training and it may be that they want to talk to their rider about you know what they're doing with their legs or their arms are floppy and the reins aren't you know being used right or the saddle doesn't fit right um and this type of thing or for all animals i'm getting asked about nutrition and i'm feeding them this is that okay i'm giving them this supplement how does that feel for them you know so horses pretty much around the competition, the dressage, the show jumping, the eventing, that sort of thing, cats and dogs, um, digestive issues come up all the time. I'd say, I'm not going to say hundred percent, but I'll say 99. I'll go out on a limb Uh because we've domesticated them and we're not feeding them the way that they would feed themselves in the wild. And so cats particularly have a lot of issues. Cats could live so much longer. And I was, um, I was talking to a fellow from Steve's Real Food last year about this, and he was telling me about a cat in America that lived until he was 38. You know, so cats can live a long time, uh, much longer than they are, which, you know, dogs would be the same. So digestive issues is a real problem. And the same as us, digestive issues creates anxiety. You know, Chinese medicine, the digestive system holds anxiety and irritability and that sort of thing so you know you're sort of talking a physical health problem but it it flicks into the uh, the emotional as well
0: it's it
1: it, I've noticed
0: lately I mean some of my clients will tell me oh my dog has cancer or diabetes or diabetes or some illness which sometimes I find that's I don't know if years ago the the animals had those illnesses or maybe we
1: just didn't know about them. Yes, I I think there's probably a bit of both. We probably didn't know about them. And now we've got tests for a lot of things that we can we can find these things out. But, yeah, I think I think many, many decades ago, animals didn't have the diseases that they have now you know there was a lot of cats probably roaming more free they're bored There's their people are trying to keep them inside cats are not inside animals i hate to <laughs> hate to be the bearer of bad news but no, cats are hunters love them or mm-hmm. hate them they are hunters that's their innate way of being so they need to be outside they need to be stimulated and you know we go to work and we don't really have time for them so we don't play with them they sleep a lot they eat badly and, you know, they're also quite independent. And we try and bring in five, six cats into one house. And then we've got a little bit of behavioral stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> yeah I, my, my
0: daughter has, well, three, three dogs and two cats. And the, the cats are fine, you know, as long as they don't go near one of the dogs. Yes, Then the dog yes. gets upset. The cat wouldn't kill less <laughs> with the dogs, but the dog <laughs> gets upset. So it it amazes me that way sometimes. And you know they they're different personalities.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean they're just like us really, isn't it? We, if we went to a classroom, I don't want to sit near that person because I don't really like them much. I'm going to uh-huh. go and sit over there. Um they're kind of the same. Yeah, they this are. Is- it's, it's it's funny, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So now besides like horses and cats and dogs, you, do you work on like all types of animals? You know, we'll like snakes, alligators. I mean, of, of course, not you know touching, but yeah. Uh, you know, communicating. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Look, I can't. I can communicate with absolutely anything. You know, whether it's a tree. You know, we just bought a house recently. I I checked in to see if the land under this house was going to hold us, and it's and it's good land. So you can actually communicate with anything and everything. So my clients aren't necessarily. Um, alligators and snakes and, and whatnot, you know, dogs, cats, horses are my three mainstreamers. I have the odd guinea pig and rabbit. Mm-hmm. And um, just for interest's sake, when I go to, and it's not very often, but um, there's a sanctuary that I have been to a few times that has um, crocodiles and alligators and dingoes and snakes and all koalas and all those types of animals. And I'll go and talk to them just to see how they're feeling inside their enclosures and just in general. So it's very interesting talking to wild animals. I I love communicating. There was a point a few years ago where I thought, I'm, I wonder how animals treat stress. How do they deal with stress? So I started to do little mini interviews with kangaroos and giraffes and and whatever, whoever, I just open the door. Any animal that wants to come and talk to me today, I'm available. And then I'll just wait and I'll just see whatever animal it was. It's like the spokesperson for, for the group uh, would come in and have a chat. So you can talk to any any animal. And it's very interesting. They're all different.
0: I know. And, and I, you know, many times when I used to, when my kid, I mean, when I used to take the grandkids to the zoo, now they're all in college and whatever yeah. else, so they don't go to the zoo anymore. Right. I would look at some of the animals, and I can, I can feel that they, they do not want to be there. Yeah, yeah. And you could just, you could just sense it—the way their, their movement, the way they look, uh, and, and sometimes I, I used to feel so horrible, you know, going to the zoo because of course the kids love to go to the zoo, but the animals, they, they're, they're unhappy.
1: Yeah, they are. And I struggle going to the zoo too. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the last time I went to like a proper, proper zoo, but um, I don't know when I will be going back there. It doesn't feel right to me, but this is not, this is not their natural country or, Uh you know, environment and location to be. And The sanctuaries are a little different in terms of bringing in injured animals to rehabilitate, to put back out into their environment if they are able to. But a lot of the animals in there can't go back. There's an eagle that I was talking to. I was walking towards this eagle. I I sort of hadn't really seen it yet and I just heard this voice and it was really, really grumpy and uh, I don't like being in here was something like that and I sort of looked up and looked around and ahead of me was this eagle enclosure and it was a big enclosure but there is no way this eagle could have really and and he she had broken her wings so she couldn't really fly I don't know whether she could fly a little bit or not at all so I guess they made the enclosure dependent on that but this this eagle would prefer to die than be wow held captive is sort of how they they viewed it and and it was really i mean it's we try to be kind we try to do our best for our animals um you know this sanctuary is immaculate they they do do the best for their animals but what are the animal what does the animal want the animal doesn't want to be there i spoke to the snake that that was being the the handled snake <clears throat> excuse me there were a few snakes there and one of them was the python that came out and you drape around your neck and that sort of thing that snake did not like that. Didn't like being manhandled. Didn't like being passed from that person to that person. And, you know, you look at the snake and you think, I don't even know what that snake's thinking. So let's just pick it up and wrap it around. So I don't know. I do struggle with those um, environments as well. It's very difficult for the animals. I I feel it is, you know, especially like for the
0: larger animals, like your lions and tigers and the elephants, especially in the giraffes, you know, you look at them, you know, they're not happy. You just know it. Yes. And especially circus uh, animals, which is so abusive. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's no more circus. I'm not quite sure if they, they banned that or not, but yeah, that animal must be probably if you were to speak to a circus animal, it, it would have to say so much.
1: Yeah, I, I haven't actually spoken to a circus animal, but um, it would be interesting to. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I can imagine it would be quite sorrowful, I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people ask me about horse racing because it's, it's very, there's so many people really angry about the horse racing industry in Australia, probably globally. But, um, you know, I hear a lot about it here because there's a lot of horses that, um, you know, they get put down if they don't perform or if they break a leg or whatever, of course, they get put down. And, you know, there's a lot of anger around that industry. And so I've always been quite interested and try to be really neutral and not buy into that anger or the other side from the actual industry itself and just sit neutrally there and and ask about it. And we had a Christmas party, my husband's work had a Christmas party at the races and I thought, oh, I really didn't want to go but I thought I'll use my time wisely here and I'll go and talk to all the horses as they're coming into the gates and racing and and just see individually how they all feel about that. And, you know, most of these horses are getting looked after extremely well. I mean, people want to make money out of them. So of course they are, but the trainers love them. And, and this is generalization because there'd be trainers that are problematic as well, but, you know, mostly the horses that win absolutely love it. They have no interest in the human involvement. They think we're a little bit wacko, but um, doing all of this, but they love the the winning and the feeling of, you know, stretching out and racing full tilt. There's other horses that would rather just go and have a chat to their friend in the paddock next door and they will never win. (laughs) And then there's some Uh that kind of, come in between they sort of they like it and then they don't and then they like it and then they don't so that's something that i find just with horses in competition generally is i don't want to do i don't want to do show jumping i want to do barrel racing i don't want to do this but i'd be happy to do that so there's a lot of animals a lot of horses that are in the wrong kind of um, arena if you like so they want to do something competitive but just not that particular thing. Okay. So and how, how do you think they would communicate
0: that to the, the person that owns them?
1: Yeah. Not performing yeah. you know, not performing, just, just balking not performing. at jumps um, just being obnoxious and, you know, ah. that type of thing. So, and that's often what happens is, you know, the client will, will come to find me because that horse is, is just being erratic or problematic or whatever they're doing And they used to be really focused and have great concentration and, you know, get first, second or third. And now they're just, they're not doing that. And they're doing these other frustrating things. And the rider can't seem to handle the horse to bring it around and come back to where he came from. So, so this is animal communication is not necessarily fixing the problem, but it's getting the why, why are you doing this? Why do you feel that way? So, okay, why are you, why are you being obnoxious? Why are you balking at jumps? Why are you? just you know lolling around doing not very much and you used to be here well I don't like it anymore I don't I don't want to do this I've had enough I'm tired you get My to gosh. the end of the season and mm-hmm. they're, tired. they're tired so mm-hmm. we just like to push and push and push because we want to win or we want to place or we want to get better at our at our craft mm-hmm. but it's a two-man team and mind you the the people that that I, I'm very fortunate. The people that I speak to with horses are amazing. They just, they do, every, and I guess they come to me. So they have to be amazing not to come to me, but to actually think there's something wrong with my horse. I want someone to find out why and get to the problem. And so, you know, I've been very lucky with my clients. So when you do say a horse that doesn't
0: want to race anymore or whatever, does does your client listen and then say don't don't do that for the horse anymore
1: well that's the other side (laughs) yes Uh um not necessarily does it i mean i suppose i haven't heard the long-term outcomes of some of these some of these horses um most of them i know are still doing whatever it is they were doing um But, you know, I think from a racing point of view, this is about money. It's a business. So I would imagine that the ones that would rather pick flowers at the back of a paddock that are just never going to place, they would probably be sold off. And, you know, this is the other thing with horses is they get rehomed, rehomed, rehomed. And it's very stressful for them. Yeah,
0: because they've made friends with the other horses. Now you're taking them away. Yeah. It's just like us, the same, same scenario. If, if you're living in an area w- with your kids for, say, 15, 16 years and then you up and move somewhere and the children don't have their friends, they get this, I feel this the same way. You know, we get very lonely. Yes. And we're upset. Yeah. yeah. So the animals yeah, do exactly much. the same.
1: Yeah, they do. That's right. And even just, you know, the pets that mom and dad go to work all day, and the pets are sitting at home all day by themselves, mm-hmm. you know, they get lonely and they get bored and, and dogs can get quite destructive. We, I've always had dogs from the minute I was born. I've had dogs and cats. And what I've found is dogs that are by themselves are very destructive. Might be the breed that, that we've had, but, um, you know, when we started by bringing in a friend for them, they had someone to be with all day. So we've always had two dogs. If one passes, we'll, we'll sort of bring in another one and, and try and um, give them company because it's very, very lonely for animals. Yeah, we, we've always
0: had two for that same reason that when, we, if, when we're out and working or whatever, they always have each other. And that's what yes. I always felt that people should do that you know, have two, but some people they just have the one, and and yeah. I know I said to myself, wow, the 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 cat or dog must be lonely because mm. it's by itself there's no one to communicate with or play yeah. with. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then when we do come home, we're not very present with them. We pat 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 on the head and pick up a, a bit of a scratch on the neck, put them mm-hmm. down, and then we go about our business. So. You know they are just devouring us with their eyes, going, "Oh, come on, let's let's chat, let's love each other, let's go for a walk, let's play, let's do something." Mm -hmm. And we just don't have the time for them. Uh, And uh, you know, not everyone is is like that, but a lot of people aren't fully present and they don't have the time that they need. And you know, there's another another thing that I see quite often, and I understand I understand both sides of this, but people buy big dogs but they can't afford to feed them well so you know animals eating dried food in my opinion is a is just setting themselves up for disease and behavioral issues and you know all that sort of thing so um but that's all they can afford so don't buy the big dog buy the dog that you can afford to feed well so be be fair you know, it's a responsibility having an animal in your, in your care. Very much. so. Uh, This is
0: a little far-fetched question, but uh, like, like a, a, a mother dog, you know, a female dog that gives birth and then we take the babies away and we sell them. There has to be a feeling where she misses them. Oh yes. I mean, there has to be because here she's, you know, fed them and takes care of them. And then we just take them away and and we, you know, sell them off, and some sometimes we just sell one, or some maybe if the puppy is lucky, you know, two go along to, you know, to be adopted. But there has to be a feeling there where there's
1: devastation because you're taking away their babies. Yes, yeah, that's a great question. Actually, that's not far fetched at all because that is something I see. I've seen a lot lately. I go fits and spurts you'll always see we've got this lower back problem in all of the clients for that month and then you know but that is something that I've seen a lot lately and not necessarily from the mother's side but from the puppy or the kitten's side is that they've been weaned far too early and they want their mum and they miss their mum and it's and it's very almost quite heart wrenching when you're communicating with them and getting the feeling of how it was for them And even I had a um, I can't quite remember the full story of this one, but the mother was being driven across rough roads through New South Wales to vets, I think, for some reason. And one of the puppies inside um, was getting bounced around and, you know, jiggled and jangled and had a real problem with being in the car and anxiety. And so when i was communicating with this um, dog not a puppy anymore with this dog i was guided to go back into the womb and see what was happening for the mother dog and what was happening for that actual puppy in the womb and so there was a lot of stuff that um, was going on there this just rough roads and potholes banging down into potholes and so the car sickness went way back from from then and also this anxiety and that also related then to being weaned at eight weeks. Like even 12 weeks is barest, barest minimum. I know.
0: I feel so bad for them sometimes when I look and I see
1: little puppies and I say, wow, they have to miss the mom. Yes, yeah. And then they're going to some strange human's house. Yes, Mm mm-hmm. And everyone loves them. They're getting handled. And then, you know, and we think that they are excited because they wag their tails and they look excited. But a lot of that time, they're just freaking out. They're nervous yeah. and they're anxious and they're scared. Uh-huh. So it's kind of a fine line with, with dogs with that look, which looks like fun and happiness. And it's actually fear and anxiety. So it is, it is a difficult one. But we can't change that industry in a great rush, I don't think. No, I don't think so, at at all.
0: And I, you know, like for myself, yeah, I look at them, and and like when I go into someone's, you know, my friend's house, and the dog looks happy, but I could feel the dog feels anxious because there may be too many too many people in the house. Yes. Yeah. And we we do not think about that the animal feeling that way
1: no no and that's all the things that we need to learn more and mm-hmm. you know as I said before with what something else we don't know what we don't know and mm-hmm. this is why we need to talk about this more because people will listen to this and they'll hear you talk about that and say like, oh that's really that's a great point I will be more mindful of that I'll watch out for it because you know animals are hypersensitive as well they know people uh, very, very well. They can read energy of people, and and you'll see that. So you have a house full of people, and there's all these different energies, and it's chaotic. And you know, there's someone that's really angry; their energy is really surly, and their energy is hyperactive and hysterical. And and then the the dog's trying to hide under the bed, and someone's dragging the dog out to come and come and say hello to everybody. Yeah. And don't just
0: just go. Yeah. <laughs> so please leave me alone
1: yeah yeah <laughs> i don't blame them i would want a guide also <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah and that's so, where we need to actually have the mm-hmm. hiding spot for the dog and right. when we have these situations we let we let them know you know on friday night um we're having john jenny you know fritz all so we're having all these people over it might be a little bit chaotic for your energy go to your hiding spot so, you know, and you'll know where the hiding spot is because they'll be hiding in it when things are, are challenging for them. And it might be a crate, you know, if people are crate training their dogs, crates are very secure and safe for them so they can feel comfortable away from the chaos.
0: Yeah, I think we need to communicate more with our pets.
1: Yes. Yeah, we Look do. We, mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk to them like they're seven years old, you know, that's they'll, they understand us yeah I know they do now let me
0: ask um do you actually also talk to um pets that may have passed
1: yes or or pets
0: that have I don't know if a a pet has dementia or if they're in a coma you know things like that
1: yeah yeah you know that's um pets that have passed yes um many of them and dogs that have and cats too that have um dementia or what's what's the um, sundowning syndrome?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: a lot of dogs will start sort of staring into walls or into corners and they're starting to lose their faculties a little bit. So but you you can communicate with them very easily. So while they may not and deaf uh, animals as well, mm-hmm. while they may not hear you, um, they are, very easy to communicate with and find out how they're going because animals, you know, they understand the process of death and life and it's just um, what they call recycling. They just go back into the earth and they, re- they come back at some point. So when they get dementias and things like that, it's okay for them. I haven't met, I haven't spoken to any animal that has, you know, has some kind of emotional mental health problem because they have Alzheimer's or dementia or sundowning syndrome or, you know, some other trauma. It's just, Oh, that's life. That's part of life. And we'll move through that. I know that's difficult for Mum and dad because they don't know what to do with me. And they don't know how, they don't know how to help me. Uh, They just want to give me medication. Maybe there's some something that can give me some respite, but they're fine with it. I find acupuncture is great for a lot of things Energy healing, um, as you were talking about before, you know, just anything that can keep the energy flowing through the entire body can just it may not fix them of some of these things, but it can certainly help give them some um, balance for that for a period of time.
0: A period of time. Now, what about like the toys that we buy them? I'm curious. Do, do they actually like
1: them? Yeah. <laughs> do they find them annoying because they squeak so much? Uh no. <laughs> I mean, that would be individual to a dog or a cat. But in general, they love their toys because okay. it means they're getting their their person is interacting with them and they're getting some exercise and stimulation because like us, they're built to move. So mm-hmm. when they're sedentary and they're sitting around home all day and they're waiting for someone to come and play with them, that's just a highlight and then, then you've got certain dogs that love, you know, the frisbee and the tennis ball and and running and chasing things as well. So they love their toys. Cats love the little, mostly love the little the fish that sits on the end of a stick or the oh, bird. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens with that is, you know, we kind of dangle that thing over there while we're typing an email or texting or something like that. So they lose a little bit of interest if we're not fully engaged with them so we need to same thing we need to just be fully present and engaged while we're playing with them yeah but so they yes they do love them and some there's a um there's a bulldog that i spoke to some years back and this dog loved irritating his dad and so there was like a red ball that squeaked Mm-hmm. And what he didn't like was when he chewed, and he he would break it. When he chewed it so much, the squeak would go. So, you know, but he loved because it irritated his dad terribly. And he'd just be squeak, 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 squeak. So animals can be very oh, intentional, which just is hilarious. Oh, I did. I never thought about that
0: one. Yeah. That they can do it intentionally. Mm. Do you think yeah. it's because they, they want our
1: attention or they just want to annoy us? <laughs>
0: Yeah. Either way, either way, either way. Uh,
1: but but for them, annoying someone is really just getting them to lighten up and have fun and laugh and you know come and or come and play with me. So yeah, there's there's a bit of bit of both of that. oh That's hysterical. I never <laughs> yeah. thought about that. <laughs> yeah. 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 One of my th- yeah, he would constantly,
0: but we always uh, took him for a walk. It was Rudy. Um, we did everything with him. So. But yeah, he had this one toy that it would just go on and on and on. (laughs) Yeah. And then I looked, then I said, well, one day that toy is going to break. So I actually looked to buy him the same toy, which I did find. So that if that one broke, he'd have another one. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's amazing that they just, they just love certain things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The tug, the tug of war rope. They love Uh that certain dogs. And, Uh you know, a lot of this too is about this feeling on their gums. So the chewing is not so much cleaning their teeth, but it's a feeling, um, this sensation, I guess, on their gums when, they, when they're chewing certain toys. So sometimes the squeak is not what it's all about. It's just this, this feeling that they get when they chew them. So
0: yeah, toys are good. Toys are good, yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. I thought. What, what, you know, when I used to take hours to, uh, to the vet, they knew they were going to the vet and it would, they wouldn't want to come out of the car. It would be like, please don't take me. They would like just lunge and like didn't want to go. It it amazed me. They knew,
1: I I think the, the animals, they, they do know if they're going to a vet. Yes. Animals, animals know everything. They know when you're taking them for a walk, they know when they're going to be fed. They know when they're going to the vet. And the reason that is, is because they are telepathic and we cannot not have an image in our mind of what we're going to do or what we're doing. And if I say to you, um, red apple, you can't not, not have an image of a red apple in your head. We are wired that way to have images in our mind and they're reading those. So when we're, you know, we have, we've organized the vet visit three days beforehand. So we have this image and we, then we get this feeling, oh, my God, um, Rusty hates the vet. This is going to be just hard work. How am I going to do it? All right. Well, I'll, I won't tell him. I'll just get him into the car. But the whole time you're telling him exactly what's going to happen. Exactly. I'll just, I'll put his lead on. I'll get him in the car and we'll get there and, it'll be, and I'll just be nice and loving to him. And, but he's seeing all of these images. So you're actually better off and then you feel anxious because you know how much he hates it. So you've got to control your own kind of fear around this or the frustration or the anxiety, whatever the the emotion is. Um, Control that feeling within yourself. Pull that energy right into your solar plexus and and just pretend that it's all great and roses. And just let them know we're going to the vet and you're going to see Susie and you've seen her before. She's lovely. And you show the image of Susie and she's gentle and we're just gonna we're gonna take a little bit of blood, and you're gonna feel just this little prick in your arm, and they're gonna you know, to kind of paint the scene, but make yeah. it you know enjoyable or comfortable enjoyable. for them, and then you know get all those chakras open as well, that base chakra of survival and safety. Survival, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you're driving there, just you know have some classical music playing. Uh, this Janet Marlowe in um, she's in Connecticut, I believe. She was a um, composer of classical and jazz music and 25 years ago or so she started composing music for animals in the frequency that they can hear. So she has music for horses, music for dog, music for cats, music for birds, So birds plucking feathers, dogs that are anxious or get car sick or moving house or whatever it is, cats with all of those issues horses that have trouble being locked in a barn or they don't like to be put in a, a trailer. You can, you can play this music and it's all right in the centre of their hearing. Oh, wow. and, it's, and so cats and dogs, I think, are flutes and strings. Horses is a little bit more staccato, um, rhythmical music. Um, and you play this and it just really calms their nervous system. And so they can feel more comfortable and you can play this in the car. You can play it, and it's very nice for humans to listen to. So you can play it all day long. If you're going to work, put this music on, and off you go. Um, She has these little pods that fill, um, have eight hour battery life, and the music just plays over for eight hours. So the and I've had a lot of clients with anxious animals and horses that can't that hate being in a float, Um, and it's it's made such a huge difference for them. So. You know, I think the vet goes into that as well. And even being at the vet, you know, let if the vet's okay with it, leave the music there if they're staying overnight and that sort of thing just so they can feel more calm within themselves. Flower essences are good just to calm them down to get to the vet. So, yes, we just need to make sure our images of the whole vet visit are not what you've seen before, which is traumatic. And I know. Yeah. Create a new image. Well, it's funny sometimes.
0: uh, Bath time could be a little (laughs) crazy-making too, if they don't if they don't want one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: There's some negotiation that happens.
0: Negotiation. Oh, I know. It's like. Oh, please, you really need a bath. <laughs> you know, and for the, some, some of our dogs love the bath. And then after the bath, they'd be running all over the house to happy. I guess that they were happy or they're happy that they're out of the bath. I wasn't quite sure which it was, but yeah, yeah bedtime is another uh stressful situation for some animals.
1: Yes, it really is. And um, you know, there are dogs love. Dogs love to stink. Let's just get it out there. They love smelly uh-huh. stuff. And if there's uh-huh. a dead bird and they're allowed to, they'll go and roll in it. Um, you know, they're just like, oh, this is good stuff. So, you know, bath time for them is highly unnecessary. And it is, you know, if the water's freezing cold or too hot, of course. That, and then normally we have them, well, if they're not in a bath, if they're out on the garden hose. You know, they might be tied to a tree and they can't or you've got a hold of their collar. You can't uh, they can't get away from you. So they're stuck in this situation where they feel unsafe and they can't get away from something they actually don't really like. And then we again, it's the images. You know, we create the image of the behavior we want. We create the image of the scene that we want. And if we know they hate it, we're already creating those images of this, you know, awful time trying to wash them and some animals you can negotiate with and, and explain to them why you want to do something and they'll take that on and other animals will listen to that and then they'll still do whatever they want, oh, yeah. just like us.
0: That's exactly how I was just <laughs> going to say. <laughs> we don't listen. Yeah, good we information. <laughs> yeah. <up>. yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, so you also teach people how to do this, right? I do, yes. I um, I have an online, just a foundation level self-paced animal communication course, uh, so people can get on there. You've got twelve months to do it, so you can just get on there wow. and work your way through it. And then I do some lives. Now this year has just completely disappeared from me, and it's and it's July already. Um, well, it's July here, so I normally do face to face trainings, and I do oh. the occasional online you know, zoom sort of training. So yes, I don't, not sure what's happened this year. I've had a lot of people inquiring and I've also had, interestingly, I don't have children and I don't really have anything to do with children. And I've had a lot of mothers inquiring about their kids doing animal communication training. And in fact, I was, I was back at my parents' house on the other side of the country about four weeks ago. And my little cousin who is six, uh, absolutely loves animals. She'll, she'll go and grab the chickens out of the chicken hutch and she'll bring them inside at 5 a.m. in the morning and she'll just be standing there at the end of her mum and dad's bed with the chickens and then she'll have the dog under the arm and, you know, she knows all the snakes' names out in the, in the field. Oh, my. And she came to see me. Um, her her mum is uh, more my age and uh, she came to see me while I was there and she said, Mum, can you get Romy to show me how to communicate with animals? And so, you know, Kylie said, yes, you know, I'll, I'll ask her. And, of course, I'm thinking, how on earth do I do that? This is, a, this is so great. This is the age where she's not yes. at school yet, so you're not analysing and, and getting into that analytical mind. You've still got the creative freedom. Anyway, so she wanted to talk to her chook, chicken, Rocky. And she, I said to her, do you have a question for Rocky? And she said, I want to know how old he is. I don't know how old he is. I said, all right, okay, so close your eyes. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm saying things like um, energy fields and I'm thinking at the same time, oh, she's six years old. She won't know what an energy field is. So I was, I was just scrambling along, trying to teach her like an adult but, and make it childlike. So I toned it down a little bit and made it, made it childlike. And I said to her, now you might see an image, you might see a number come into your mind, or you might hear a number come into your mind, or you'll just know how old Rocky is. How old is Rocky? And she says, Three. He's three years old. And I said, Okay. So, and you know, mum was talking to someone else in the house. So we waited for a little bit and she said, I want to go and talk, to, talk to that rose bush out in the garden. So off we went to have a talk to the rose bush. And I said, What do you want to ask the rosebush? And she said, I just want to see if the rose bush is happy. All right. So we did the same thing. And I said, what did you feel? She said, I feel really, really happy. This is really good. This wow. is a really good spot. So we came back inside and I said to Kylie, how, how old is Rocky? And she said, oh, three. And I thought, I was blown away. I don't know why. Wow. But this is the age, isn't it? It's like get them to do this young and not lose it, not, you know, get into life and forget how to do it. And so we can have these relationships with our animals. And as you said at the beginning, it's about giving the animal what they need, not what we guess or hope or think they need. Uh Because observation is not the whole picture. No, it's not, not at all. Oh, wow. I can
0: sit here forever speaking to you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's my favorite
1: subject, Barbara. <laughs> I know it is.
0: Yeah, actually, believe it or not, but I, I, it's my favorite ones also. And it's been a little lonely in my home uh, since uh, Alex passed away, April. And I said to my husband, maybe it's time to get two little babies again. So, um,
1: yes. but
0: I know that it'll happen when the timing is right. And then they'll look at me. I'll look at them and know they need to come home with me. So, yes. Um, Absolutely. And that's how, yeah, all of our rescues were. Once Once we looked, they looked at me, eye contact, and I could hear them say, take me, they all came yeah.
1: home. Yeah. I remember? see a little dog behind you, actually. I see a little a tan and white dog, which looks a little bit Jack Russell-like. Oh, that's a so, little
0: girl, Sandy. Oh, is it? She, yeah, she passed uh, four and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Ah, she's got
1: beautiful ears.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Always so, to, yeah, I, I always used to tell her, who's my little girl? Who's my little girl? I, and then she put up her
1: ears and, oh, God. I, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay, well, she's showing me her ears. So I was thinking that that might be um, someone waiting to come to you, but um, that's that's your old Sandy. Wow. Probably yeah. my
0: little girl. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. Look, I, don't I be surprised if she's not coming back to you.
0: Oh, I would love that.
1: Mm. And you'll see that in her mannerisms. And there'll be some little things that you think, hang on a minute. That's what Sandy used to do or, or mm-hmm. a feeling that you get from her.
0: Well, when we adopted uh, Sandy, the little girl and Alex, uh, they reminded me of my buddy and Sammy. Right. Everything about them was the same. And I said, all right, they reincarnated. And but they reincarnated tiny, whereas the other dogs were, they were big dogs. Yes. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm hoping <laughs> two little little babies will come my way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, they're not too far off. Yes. Oh, yeah, I don't but think send me are. a photo <laughs> when you get them. <laughs> yes, I will. So where can my listeners get a hold of you? <laughs> oh, well, I am on my website, which is mm-hmm. RomyBueller.com. And I know that's a it's a difficult name. Perhaps if you can just have my name in the in the link there for the oh, spelling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's- my website has all of my information. You know, you can book readings and and healings and things through there. And my Facebook page at uh, the Holistic Animal Health Coach, oh, and amazing. Instagram and TikTok. You know, all of these social media things we've got to do, Barbara. I'm I'm everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> But the uh, Holistic uh-huh. Animal Health Coach is, is um, where I am for all the socials and romybuehler.com is my website. Okay, I'll make sure I have everything uh, on our show
0: notes. That's for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for today. I mean, I truly appreciate this, you coming. and uh, um, My pleasure. Yeah, it's been great. We we love our pets, whether they're little hamsters or birds or cats or dogs we'll do anything for them to make them happy
1: yes right yeah yeah we will and mm-hmm. education is key i've often thought where did where did we learn where did i learn how to look after an animal well it was from mum and dad on the farm or the occasion that you had to go to the vet and whatever the vet was treating so we don't really learn a lot, lot different now because we've got google but we don't really learn how to Look after our animals. Not that not that we don't love them. It just we just don't know. So yeah. these. Thank you so much for having me. I, this is something I'm quite passionate about. It's getting oh, the education side out there. So I've really thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you today. Oh, thank you so much. And um,
0: thank you, thank you. Believe me, and, <laughs> and my little girl. Hopefully, she'll be around very soon. <laughs> she'll yes. come back. Yeah, and yeah. Al- and Alex. The both of them together. They have to be together. Yes. But, uh, you know, thank you again, Romney, for a beautiful interview, very educational. And uh, thank you to my listeners for listening today. And I hope you heard what you needed to hear. And uh, visit me at motivateyourlife.net. And please subscribe to this YouTube channel, the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. We're also on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, iHeartRadio. We are international. We are everywhere. Um, And for maybe those of you that are interested in learning energy healing, check out my book on Amazon, Gentle Energy Touch, Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. So again, thank you so much, Romney, for a beautiful interview, very educational. And um, to all my listeners, have a beautiful week filled with love and with light. Love, Barbara.